Well, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, we're continuing our study of the sayings of Peter, and we just look at various things, and we're dealing with subjects like salvation and discipleship and service, and ministry, failure, all of those kind of things. And this morning, we're going to see Jesus ask two questions, okay, two questions, and he says, who do the people say I am, and who do you say I am? And you know, that's the two questions that we see all the time. Who do the people say, what does the world, who do the people out there, who do they say Jesus is? What kind of idea do they have? And then the question is, what do we say? Who do we say that Jesus is? So there's a lot of, a lot of neat things there. So who is Jesus Christ? When we think about him, uh, a lot of times people would come up and they'd say things like this. Well, Jesus is a really good man. I've had people say, well, Jesus was a really good man, or Jesus was a prophet of God. Jesus was a great example. Jesus was the best teacher ever. And, and they say that sort of thing. And there's a, there's a truth there. Jesus um, wasn't just a good man or a prophet or example or a teacher. He is the son of God and the Savior of the world. And so you look at it, and you say, Jesus is many things. He, he, he is a good man. He, he's, in fact, he's a perfect man. He is a prophet. In fact, he is the prophet of God. He is a king. No, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. And he is the great high priest who offers himself as the final sacrifice for sin forever. So when you think about Jesus, there are really two big questions, because that's what we're going to see. Jesus asks his people, his guys, who do the people say that I am? And we go out into the world, and we raise questions. Or the question could be, who is Jesus? I remember that Time Magazine one year, it was like years ago, had on the cover, who is Jesus? I mean, and they're trying, you know, and if you talk to, uh, it's according to who you talk to. You could talk to theologians who are liberal, and they'll say, Jesus was a, a great man who, had, who taught, and his principles were vital, and, but they don't say he's the son of God who's the savior of the world. I mean, so when you, when you look out there, they're, what, what do people, who do people say Jesus really is? And, uh, and, and, you know, it's an amazing question because sometimes people, if you said to them, who do you think Jesus is? They'll say, I, I, don't, I don't know. I never really thought much about him, that kind of thing. And then the big question is, who do we say that he is? And we'll see how the men answer the question. So let's get a review. We're looking at different statements that uh, Peter made, and we've seen some deal with salvation and some deal with discipleship. We're going to see some dealing with the Christian life and, and then even failure and victory and those kind of things. Remember, these are the four things that we've seen so far. He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. That's when he saw how perfect Jesus is and that Jesus is the Son of God. Then he said, we've left all to follow you. That was a discipleship where Peter said, not only we believed in you, but now we've left everything to follow you. And then this is where he was in the boat, and Jesus was walking on the water, and he said, command me to come out. And he basically is believing that Jesus will give him the power or empower him to walk on the water. And then, of course, when he looked at the wind and the waves and everything and began to sink, he said, save me. And we spent some time last time talking about the idea of the word of salvation. The word save can mean a physical deliverance in some way. In fact, that's mostly in the Old Testament. But then you can be uh, justification, salvation, sanctification, salvation, glorification, salvation. So when you see the word save, you have to look at, is it past, is it present, is it future? How does it fit together? Well, we're continuing, and now we're moving to Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus is with his men, and let's get a little background before he raises the questions. It's Matthew 16, look at verse 1. 
The Pharisees and Sadducees came up testing Jesus, and they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, let's think about this for a second. Let me, let me put this up. The religious leaders asked for a sign. Notice it says, Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees uh, were legalistic, had all the rules. They believed the Bible, but they also had all the rules with it. They thought it was both good. Faith and works would, would somehow get them to God, and they're basically their good works. Sadducees didn't believe anything spiritual. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in life after death. Uh, they, uh, they only hold to certain parts of the of the Bible, and, and so they, they came up, and notice it says they came up testing Jesus. They didn't come up really wanting to know an answer. They came up to test him, to sort of trick him and, and those things, and they said to him, we want to show us a sign from heaven. Well, he's already healed the sick and raised the dead and calmed the storm and forgiven sins, and, and just what the Old Testament prophet said he would do, and so he says to them, and if you look down at verse 4, he said, an evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign, and no sign will be given to them except the sign of Jonah. And he left and went away. Now, by the way, he's already told him what the sign was. The sign of Jonah, he says, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. So he's already given them the sign. The sign is the death and resurrection. And so if they really want to believe who he is, believe that he's going to die and rise again, or that when he dies and rises again, to understand who he is and believe in him. Uh, we say that the Gospel of John has seven signs that Jesus did, and they are, but there's really an eighth sign and it's the final sign of the book and where Jesus rises from the dead and proves to be God. Now, with that in mind, after he's talked to the religious leaders, he, if you go over to verse 13, on verse 13, they come to the district of Caesarea Philippi. Uh, by the way, that's where he told them that. So Jesus and the disciples moved to Caesarea Philippi. I should have put a map up. Caesarea Philippi is way north. If you said Jerusalem, and then you go all the way to the Sea of Galilee, that's north, Way north of the Sea of Galilee is Caesarea Philippi. They're way up there. And, uh, and they're, they're, he's doing ministry there as well. So it wasn't always just around the Sea of Galilee, and it wasn't always just in the city of Jerusalem. It was everywhere. And so they're at Caesarea Philippi, and he was asking his disciples. Now, I want you to notice something. It didn't say he asked his disciples. It says he was asking his disciples. Now, he's asked this more than once. The way it's written in the Greek is he's asking them some questions. And we're going to see the two questions. Who do the people say that I am? And he asked them more than once. He's asking them over. Who do you, who do you think the people say that I am? Who, who do the people say that I am? And, and, so, and then he's going to ask them, but who do you say that I am? Because we're going to get the answers from the people. And I think you'll see. Now, remember, Jesus is Jewish. And the disciples are Jewish. And Jesus has been sent to the Jewish people. And in Matthew, the whole gospel of Matthew is presenting Jesus as the king of the Jews. And so his ministry is to the Jewish people. If you actually look carefully at the scripture, Jesus does the whole first part of his ministry, and he doesn't go to the Gentiles at all. In fact, when he sends his disciples out, he says, go to no one except the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? Because he's presenting himself as the king, and that's who he is. So he's got the guys with him, and he's up there, and he says, who, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's not really talking about what the Gentiles think about him. He's talking about what the Jews think about him, and we're going to see by the answers that's what he's talking about. So he says in verse 13, who do the people, and when he says the people, he's talking about his people. He came into his own, and his own what? Received him not. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. So he, he, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And, and there's crowds there. And, and let me just say this. Probably mixed in with Jewish people, there are Gentiles. 
And there are Gentile people who understand about Jesus, but Jesus is offering himself to the Jews, and he's asking his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Now, by the way, he calls himself Son of Man, and most likely a Gentile wouldn't really grasp this, but a Jew would. The Son of Man from the book of Daniel. And the Son of Man is in Daniel that sets up a kingdom that never ends. And so to call himself the Son of Man, is call, he's calling himself the Messiah and the King of the world who's going to set up a kingdom that will never end. So what do the people say? What do the people say? And they said, look what it says. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some others say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now you remember when John the Baptist started his ministry, they went out to him and they said, are you the Christ? And he went, no. And then they said, are you Elijah? No. Are you, you know, and they went through the thing because they, when you looked at John the Baptist, he never cut his hair. He was a, uh, he was a Nazarite from birth. So he, he looked really weird. Now, Jesus wasn't a Nazarite. Jesus was trying, he didn't take a Nazarite vow. And so Jesus looks like a normal person, but they're raising the questions. Who do the people, who do the Jewish people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, well, some think you're John the Baptist, and others think you're Elijah, others think you're Jeremiah, or some think you're one of the prophets. Now, see, Gentiles wouldn't be saying that because they wouldn't know all this. But the Jews said, yeah, well, as we look back through history, who could this possibly be? Well, it could be John the Baptist. Where's John the Baptist? Most likely at this time he's dead, right? Or, or in jail. But most people wouldn't be saying he's John the Baptist if John the Baptist was alive, whether he's in jail or not. So probably by this time, John the Baptist is already dead and had his head cut off. And so they're saying John the Baptist. If you remember some of the religious leaders and some of the, uh, some of the Gentiles, some of the Gentile rulers said... Uh, this, is, this, may, this may be John the Baptist risen from the dead. That's why they're saying John the Baptist. And so the forward of Messiah, some said, well, he's Elijah. He's a prophet of God because he's doing all these miracles. And, and you know, if it was me, I'd probably say maybe he's Elisha because Elisha did a lot more miracles than Elijah. But they said maybe he's Elijah. And some say, well, maybe he's Jeremiah. And Jeremiah brought a sad message. Have you read, Je- uh, let, let me just mount. have y'all read Jeremiah at all? I mean, most people don't read the Bible much. I mean, and, most, and the, a lot of people who read the Bible read the New Testament. And Jeremiah is long, 50-something chapters, and Isaiah is long, you know. And, and so sometimes we say, uh, I get bogged down reading those. We do. Jeremiah gave a terrible message. It was the judgment is coming. And, and if, you, if you actually turn your life around as a people group, there's a chance we won't be judged by God. But if we don't, we're going to be judged. And then he says, the Babylonians are coming, and they're going to destroy us. And that's exactly what happens. And so what is Jesus saying? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is in. He's saying, get your act together. The Messiah is here. Change your mind. The king is on the earth. And so they were saying, well, maybe he's Elijah. Maybe he's Jeremiah. Well, maybe he's one of the prophets. So that's a lot of different confusion. What did Jesus say? Who did Jesus say that he was? He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the son. He, he, that's who he is. What Jesus w- would say, I'm the son of man. I'm the son of David. Jesus made it clear. In fact, they said, remember sometimes they wanted to kill him one time, and he said, for what good miracle do you want to kill me? And they said, well, not for any of your good works, but because you, being a man, claim to be God. So that, that means they're, they're, they're all confused. They don't know. So he says, but in contrast... 
verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that, I mean, that is uh, in contrast to the crowds, in contrast to the people, who do you say that I am? Now, as always, Peter steps forward. He's, he's the talker, which is good. I mean, there's somebody got to be the leader, and Peter's the leader of these people, uh, of, the, of the 12 or whatever he got with him at this time. We're not sure how many are there. And he's got them with him, and Peter steps forward. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, that's a powerful statement. And, and, and we see this is Peter's fifth statement that we've been going as we're going through the, through the books and through the life. And, and we're not going to see everything Peter ever said, but we're going to pick out certain statements, and this is number five. He says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. God. Now, the word Christ means Messiah. So let's talk about this for a second, because he actually says two, two aspects of it. The Christ, the Son of the living God. So first of all, there's two parts to his answer. You're the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, and you're the Son of the living God. You're actually God. So he's saying, you're God, who is the anointed one of God. That's who he says. And of course, that's a really powerful statement. The Gospel of John says there are many other signs Jesus did that are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you might have life in his name. It's the same answer. It's the same answer. What do we believe? We believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the one who died and rose again, and we believe in him, and he gives us life, because that's what he is. He's the life giver. He's the only one of God. He is the Son of the living God. That's who he is and what he does. So let's look at the statement for just a little bit. We got time, so let's look at it. He says, you're the Christ. There's so much in this statement. You know, when I, when I first started growing as a Christian, you know, I'd always heard of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I kind of thought Jesus was his first name and Christ was his last name, right? Like this is the son of Mr. and Mrs. Christ, but, you know, not really because they didn't do that in those days. And Jesus is actually Jesus of Nazareth. That's how he was designated because that's where he was from. And sometimes they call people uh, uh, Jonah, son of, du- of the dove, basically. That was Jonah's nickname and thing. And so you, they had, you know, Bar-Jonah, somebody's son of Jonah. Uh, but Jesus was called Jesus of Nazareth. Rarely was he called Jesus of Joseph. I mean, they just, it was just Jesus of Nazareth when he started his ministry. So the, the word Lord means master of deity, and Christ means the anointed one. So when he says, you're Jesus the Christ... You know, that means something special. The word Christ means anointed one. It's the same word as Mashiach in the Old Testament, which we get the word Messiah from. It literally means the one that is anointed, the one that is set apart. In the Old Testament, the word of God spoke about the anointed one of God. Now, in the Old Testament, as we've talked about this a lot of times, so I'm going to sew it up here pretty quickly just so we can go through it. I want to make sure you got it uh, because it's so important to put this together. In the Old Testament, three offices were anointed. I actually taught this on Sunday morning. I think last Sunday morning, this came up about uh, who, who all the different things. So in the Old Testament, three offices were anointed by God for service. There was a prophet, a priest, and a king. Prophets were anointed. They were set apart because they, they give, gives, the prophet gives the word of God. The priest offers sacrifices, the mediator, and the king, Saul or David or Solomon, whatever, was set apart to rule the people, the nation. So prophets, priests, and kings were all anointed by God or by the, the nation to set them apart. And so if when, a, when, when Elijah raised up Elisha, he anointed him. And when 
of the priest became the, when the high priest became priest, they anointed him. When the other priestly family were anointed, they were anointed. And, and the kings, when Saul was anointed as the king, David was anointed as the king, and we already seen Solomon is anointed as king. So those three offices. Now here's the thing that we've talked about many, many times. Nobody had all three offices. You might be a priest and a king, or you might be a priest and a prophet, or but you, you didn't have all three offices. Nobody was a prophet, a priest, and a king. And when the Bible talked about the anointed one of God in the Old Testament, it's talking about the one that is going to be set apart, which is called the Christ or the Messiah. So there is the Messiah in the Old Testament. And when we look at that, Christ is the Messiah. He's the one that is the prophet and the priest and the king. And that's why when Peter says, who are you? He says, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. He says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. Christ is the word Christos, that's Greek. Mashiach, Messiah is Hebrew. It's the same name, same thing. The anointed one of God. He was anointed as the prophet because he spoke the word of God, but he also is the living word of God. He was the priest who offered himself as the final sacrifice for sin. He's also the one who lives forever to make intercession. He is the king who rules as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So when you think of Jesus as the anointed one of God, Think of him as the prophet, priest, and king. In the Old Testament, there were people who were anointed as prophets or as priests or as kings, but nobody had all three offices. So when the Bible talks about the anointed one of God, that's the Christ. And when Jesus says, Peter, who do y'all say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So he says, Peter says, you're the prophet who's the living word. You're the priest, who's the mediator. And that's why at the very beginning of the ministry, what did John the Baptist call Jesus as he walked by? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because as the priest, he's going to offer himself as the final sacrifice for sin. And as the king, he's going to rule all things. Now, they, let's just be honest. We got the whole Bible, right? We got everything. They didn't have all that. They didn't have any of this, really. They just had some Old Testament stuff. Uh, and for them to put together all that we know, I mean, if you ask Peter, do you think Jesus is going to go die? And they'd go, no, he's not going to die. In fact, we're not going to let him die. Do you think he's the king? Oh, yeah, he's going to be the king of kings. He's going to rule. He's going to be, he's going to take David's throne. When will that happen? Soon? Soon? I mean, that, that's what they would think. They didn't put this thing together. Even after Jesus died and, and the tomb was empty, they went running out there and they, in their minds, said, I don't get this. What is going on? And when Jesus talked to the people on the road uh, on the road to Emmaus as they were coming, and he sat down with them, and he told them, and he said, are y'all so slow to understand that the Messiah must suffer and then have glory? They just didn't grasp it. So even Peter, when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, for him to understand what we understand, I guarantee you he did not understand that. In fact... People say, in order to be saved, you must believe Jesus died and rose again. Guess what? They were saved, but they never believed Jesus died and rose again. They didn't even understand it. They believed in him that he would give them life and that he was the savior of the world. We believe that Jesus is the one who gives us eternal life. And so be real careful when you start putting things in there that the Bible doesn't really say. And so... How do we view Jesus as the living word, the final sacrifice for sin, the king of kings and the lord of lords? I mean, so Peter's great statement, I mean, it was a great statement. And by the way, 
this is such a great statement that even Jesus says, and we'll see it at the very end. He said, boy, you didn't even get this by yourself. God gave this to you. And so Peter does so good. And then next week, Peter does so bad. And, and we say, that's us. One minute we're doing great. The next minute we're doing bad. We feel like Paul who says the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And what a wretched people we are. And that's what we see. And we'd say, good answer, Peter. And then we go, bad answer, Peter. You know, and that's us. And so what's the second part that we need to see this? The second part, he says, you're the son of the living God. Peter is calling Jesus God. He understands exactly who he is. He says, you are the Christ, the one that the Old Testament talked about, the one that is going to come, the anointed one of God, who's going to be the prophet, the priest, and the king, the one who's going to rule the whole world. This is who you are. And at the same time, you're, you're, a Christ. you're the son of God. You're the son of the living God. You are God in the flesh. He's got that. They've grasped it. They're, they don't put it together, but they understand that Jesus is God, and Jesus says he's God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father before Abraham was, I am, and then he calls himself I am seven times in the Gospel of John, which is the name of God. So Jesus always called himself God, and Peter has grasped it, and he's understood it. And so Peter says, and this is, we, we just need to stop and say, Peter, you did so good. Because who do you, he said, who do the people say I am? Well, they think you're John the Baptist or Elijah or a prophet or one of the prophets or Jeremiah or something like that, one of those other prophets. Who do you think I am? You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You are God in the flesh who is the savior of the world. The prophet, the priest, and the king. That's who he says. You couldn't get a better answer than this. And that's why Jesus says to him in verse 17, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Bar Simon Bar-Jonah. Now, see, Bar-Jonah means son of Jonah. That's what he's saying. Simon's daddy was named Jonah. He says, blessed are you, uh, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't figure this out on your own. But my Father, who is in heaven, there's a great truth there, that we, to know and understand who Jesus is comes from God. See, all we like, she's gone to streets one our own way, but the Holy Spirit convicts the what? The world. Without the Holy Spirit's conviction, we wouldn't be able to grasp the truths of the Bible. Unbelievers would not be able to understand who Jesus is and believe in him if the Holy Spirit did not convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We're not saying anything about election. He's not picking anybody out. He's convicting the entire world so that every person could grasp who Jesus is. They have, every person has the responsibility to believe, to be persuaded and to believe. And he says, Peter... Great answer. You didn't come up with that yourself, but I, it really came from the Father so we could know and understand the truths. And what they've been doing is they've been seeing Jesus for a while. And, and by the way, we're getting, we're getting close. We're getting close to the end. When we're, when we're studying over here in Matthew where G Peter makes a statement, I mean, it's not going to be too long after that. They're going to the Mount of Transfiguration, and they're going to come back, and then they're going to end up going into Jerusalem, and then Jesus is going to be put to death. And while they're on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter... Peter, they hear Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah about what Jesus is about to do in Jerusalem. He's going to die in Jerusalem and rise again. So you'd think they'd get it, but they, they don't. And you'd think we'd get a lot of stuff, but what? How many times, I, I will, listen, I will, I will teach membership training. And I will teach that here's the gospel message. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. And you believe in him for eternal life and it's faith, and it's belief. 
And then I'll go ask somebody in that group that I just taught for 35 minutes. And I'll say, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? Yes. Why? Because I asked Jesus into my heart. I go, what did I just say? Right? It takes us a long time because we've heard some of these things all our lives. And we think they're right because we've heard them all our lives. When the Bible uses, what is the response? What is it? It's to believe. It's put your faith in Christ to believe in him for eternal life. And faith is taking God at his word. It is being persuaded of something being true. That's what it really is. And so just like we go, well, they didn't get it. Well, guess what? We don't get too much ourselves. You know, we're kind of down the road. We're getting further down the road all the time. But, you know, so that's it. Let me, oh, look at time. Okay, so let me give you some application. Oh, that's Peter's fifth saying. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that, that is the key. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. He is God. That's why we call him the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord means God. Jesus means Savior. Christ means the anointed one of God. That's who he is. He's God, who is the Savior, who is the one set apart by God as the Christ, the Messiah. Well, it's so beautiful. Let me give you some applications. Let's realize how the world sees Jesus. Give me some idea. How does the world look at Jesus? What do they say about him? He's what? He, he, he may be a great man. In fact, I've had people say, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, the church is Jesus, you idiot. Right? I mean, they go, have y'all said that? I've had people say, oh, I like Jesus, but I don't like Christians. I said, well, it could be you don't know very many Christians, or you're already judging them without really knowing them. I mean... Jesus is the church, by the way. His body is the church, and we belong to him. We've been placed in Christ. And so the world says Jesus was really good. In fact, I've, I've had people say, I really like the baby Jesus. You know, the baby Jesus. I said, he did grow up, you know. He did grow up. And, I mean, everybody loves the Christmas story, right? Who doesn't? And yet the Christmas story is about the Messiah to say, born this day in the city of David is a Savior, Christ the Lord. There it is right there. Savior's Jesus. Christ is the only one. The Lord is deity. It's right there. And that statement is the same three things that we've already seen. So how does the world see Jesus? They sometimes see him as a good man. Sometimes they see that he never even existed. They say there wasn't any such person as that. People just heard about him, but there's really no, there was really no person like that. Sometimes they say that Jesus was probably the best teacher. He had a religious system that people follow. He didn't have a religious system at all. In fact, he wasn't religious at all. And we're not religious. Religion is man trying to please God. Christianity is God pleasing God. So let's just realize that when we talk about Jesus to people, they're going to have, especially the unbelieving world, they're going to have a different view of him. And then let's be ready to proclaim Jesus. How do we see Jesus? We see him as the prophet, the priest, and the king. We see him as the word of God who speaks the word of God, who, who is the living word of God. We see him as the final sacrifice for sin forever, who lives forever to make intercession for us. We see him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I love our passage Sunday morning. You may, maybe you haven't been to the service yet, but we're seeing the king of Israel. And the ultimate king of Israel is Jesus Christ. And the king of the Jews and the king of the world is Jesus Christ. A lot of people, let me just throw this out. I know time. There are people who hate Jewish people. They don't understand that the Savior of the world is Jewish and the kingdom of the world will be in Jerusalem and the King of kings and the Lord of lords is a Jewish, is Jewish God. That's who he is. And he is the ruler of the world. And what you should do is love the Jewish people because they are God's own people. Now, it doesn't mean they're all saved. You're saved by faith. 
it, when he picked them out as a nation, that didn't save them. That's for service. And so one of these days, in Jerusalem will be the capital of the world, and Jesus will be ruling as the King of kings and the Lord of lords.